The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottled, the marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Unbottleneck, the podcast where we solve common digital marketing problems, and we have an amazing guest with us today. And um, this is a guest I met at a conference uh, recently who just blew my mind. She walks into a room where we're in this, this middle of a, a conference session. The speaker stops to announce that this person came in and how amazing she is. And everybody just, she just absorbed all the attention of the room from that point on. Um, so uh, welcome to the show, Louisa Fromm from the LA Times, a senior SEO editor of uh, LA Times. Thanks for being on the show today. Hi, I am so excited <laughs> to be here with you, Steve. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Likewise. So I, I, I heard I heard some pretty amazing things about your history. So from from what I understand, before you you joined the Times, which was right around 2019 or so, um, you sharpened a lot of your editorial skills at People Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, TMZ, Yahoo, and E Entertainment. Just some small companies, you know, not <laughs> not anything that you know. Um, you grew up in San Diego. Graduated from the University of Colorado at Boulder in 2012. Go Buzz! Um, <laughs> right on. And uh, when you're when you're not learning the ins and outs of Google, like like all of us SEO geeks do, you're you're pursuing your insatiable passion for pop culture, um, which I I saw firsthand when we were at the the <laughs> conference in Napa. Uh, a baby boomer in a millennial body. She's convinced her soul was born in 1949. Ask her about Prince, Freddie Mercury, Mercury, and her extensive Funko Pop collection. Yes. Um, that's amazing. I, I think we were talking a little bit before the show about how my daughter is also huge on Funko Pop. Where did this stem from? Do you had like relatives that you know that uh, it got ingrained in you driving in the back of a car, or where where did this uh, you know? Um, a baby boomer stuck in a millennial's body start. Yeah. So I love that you asked about it. Um, I feel like my grandma finds ways to creep into every single thing that I'm doing. And it always really warms my heart because, you know, she passed away a few years ago, but mm -hmm. I always find little reminders of her. And that's really where I think it did start um, is that, you know, from a very, very young age, um, my grandma was my best friend and it didn't matter that there was a giant, you know, age gap between us. Um, we just really Really bonded like at heart and soul and so she taught me from a very young age it's so funny during my lunch break today I was like scrolling through like the Clark Gable hashtag on Instagram and just seeing what was on there like this is literally what I do and I think it all goes back to my grandma um that like she a really cool story about her is that she was born in 1920 and I also think I got my love of pop culture from her because she used to tell me back in those days when she was a teenager that you would send out for photos of your favorite stars. So this would be, she loved Clark Gable. She loved Katherine Hepburn. She loved these like classic Hollywood stars. And so you would send out for like a photo from them and they would autograph it and send it back to you. I was okay. so bummed that I never found those. I'm sure they were somewhere. 
but I really think my love of all things older than me and also just being very drawn to people who are older than me started with her because she and I just were best friends. It wasn't like a typical sort of, you know, grandparent, grandchild relationship. Sure. Um, and so I grew up with her. And then in addition to that, you know, being around my mom, we were, we were really like the three amigos and my mom from a very, you know, early age, um, she's a lobbyist and she would take me to a lot of events where you had to get very comfortable right away speaking with people who are much older than you and, you know, kind of like going around, not being afraid to chat with people you didn't know. So that made me very comfortable with that also from a young age. Um, and yeah, just through like a kind of a variety of those things. And we all love movies. Um, they really taught me to love like movies and music. The musicians you mentioned are totally a result of my mom. Um, and in addition to that, my grandma taught me to love, you know, like Dean Martin and, you know, that sort of uh, era as well. So it's really, you know, the strong woman in my life that planted that seed. And we were, you know, such a tight trio. And my mom and I always like to say that we remain that way because grandma is always the empty seat at the table. You know, that's how we always refer to it. Um, and I carry that like very proudly. It's definitely what us Froms are known for is like our love of entertainment and, you know, kind of cherishing these, you know, past beloved things and knowing that they're always with you. <laughs> definitely, There's definitely a thing about nostalgia that puts you back in a time that has, um, fewer technology, you know, burdens and, yeah. and habits that, you know, they didn't have where, where character and, and personality and, and depth of, of who you were, where you know, were more important than social status and the number of followers you have, or whether you're, you know, important enough to be able to monetize your social media profiles, you know, it's such a different era that we live in today. Absolutely. So. I mean, I, I feel that deeply. And I think like, you know, I've, I've reflected being a child who was born in like 1990. I was kind of right at the very end where I still got some childhood that wasn't at all impacted by social media. I think the first thing I got was like Facebook in high school. Um, but, you know, it, those really were different times where, you know, you, you didn't have to be on your phone every five seconds. And yeah, those sorts of thoughts didn't always filter through of like, should I post this? Like, and having that sort of presence, it was definitely more, you know, like free freeing in a way um, to not have to, you know, be on that all the time. But at the same time to kind of get back to, you know, like our SEO theme that we have for today, mm -hmm. I always crack up that I'm very much split down the middle because I'm this like super old soul. Like mm -hmm. I am very old, <laughs> like on the inside, but I also but work in SEO. Yeah. That's, that's the amazing part. You've, you've got probably one of the most challenging jobs working for one of the largest newspapers in the world. Yeah. Um, and you and you balance your time between that volunteer work and um, trying to have a, a a little bit of free time in between everything. So I I can definitely empathize with that. You know, with with the adjunct teaching I'm doing and you know trying Amazing. to run the agency, yeah. but not nearly the level of responsibility you must have. Speaking of which, I'm sure yeah. it got a little bit scary when some of the updates started rolling out a few months ago, and one of them had to do with news feeds and. AMP and all this accelerated mobile page stuff. I'd love to jump into that and talk yeah. a little bit about, you know, how that's impacted uh, news in general. And if you've seen anything change in terms of click through rates without the, you know, the AMP icon, um, love to talk a little bit about that update. Have you, have you learned anything or seen anything so far? What's, what's the, uh, what's the scoop? 
Sure. Yeah. So that is something that I was aware of just right away in following like industry blogs and things like that. That's something that I always want to be on top of just, you know, because we have so many great SEO colleagues out there who love to fire off those updates on like Twitter. And I'm always trying to stay on top of those, those sorts of things. Um, so I've been aware that this sort of thing was coming for a while. Um, I would say just so far, I've been monitoring it pretty closely to see if there is any sort of like noticeable dip in our performance that would be very different from like our other, you know, competitors who are in the publishing space um, and, you know, people that we kind of consider ourselves to be like right on par with. Um, I haven't seen anything super alarming yet, um, but it's something that I'm always staying on top of. The AMP thing is interesting because I can say that like, you know, now, you know, a while ago when AMP was a big priority and it was like yep. publishers should have it. I mean, I remember we, when we had to have it to on. get into to Google. Yeah. Yeah, you, you had to have it. Um, so seeing the evolution of that and the fact that, you know, now it's like totally shifted, that is interesting to me. And I want to see if that continues to, you know, kind of have a bigger impact. But I think what I would say at this point, just from like monitoring our traffic and our performance on a regular basis, is that I've been pay paying close attention to the types of sites that have been hit by it and have been affected. And I haven't yet you know, knock on wood, seen um, us in that category. And I'm hoping that it'll stay that way. But I have been tracking those trends and just trying to keep an eye on like, okay, how is this thing evolving? I feel I feel like even if it did change, that it would revert back quickly. I feel like yeah, uh, a lot of what you've been doing in, in the AMP side of things oh. is making sure that pages are just ridiculously fast. Totally. And yeah. um, I, think, I think AMP is still going to be a lot faster, um, even with some of these new core, you know, web vitals and other things that they're they're asking webmasters to pay attention to. Yeah. I think they're still going to be a little bit faster. So even if even if that <clears throat> that slower result starts to show up because it's um, it can now qualify to be in the newsfeed without the AMP, that users are going to click. They're going to wait a few seconds and be like, "Yeah, this is taking too long," and they're going to go back and they're going to choose LA Times. Totally, right? so I kind of I mean, feel like that's that's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hope. So we'll see. I would say like TBD on it, um, because I'm it's definitely a priority that I have, and I know how those things can evolve. Um, but as of now, I'm I'm hoping that we're in the clear. <laughs> Very cool. So that's good. You know, it always seemed like we all, you know, freak out a little bit when there's an algorithm update or a change. Like, oh my god, what's going to happen? And I feel like I feel like the ones that complain the most about the updates are the ones that. We're doing things they probably shouldn't have. Always, right? yeah. So, I feel like that is know, the trend. Yeah. That's why, like, just in general, in being in this sort of, you know, position, so much of my role is um, training and just working one-on-one -on -one with, you know, our editors and our writers. And that's one of my favorite parts of my job is that I work with just everyone um, in our giant newsroom. And I'm always trying to push those best practices to touch on what you're, you know, speaking about, because that's that's what can prevent us from getting in trouble later is to know that, you know, we're always on top of educated, those. Yeah. yeah, and educating people about mm -hmm. it. I find I've, with some of the agency clients we've worked with, that's been the the best success story for us is getting buy-in from the different teams yeah. and giving yeah. giving them credit. So you know, hey, thanks thanks for for believing in this particular task and prioritizing it. Thanks to you, you helped um, prevent what would have been about a million five in online revenue that we were getting that um, that would have went away had you not you know taken the time to take care of this. So you really saved the company over twelve million dollars a year great Amazing. job right yeah. yeah little things like that that could be part of what causes rank drops and just getting them excited about search like wow i made a difference i helped save money i helped make money maybe i'll get a raise out of it or something so i well, think i, I think that buy-in is so important 
I love that you brought that up because another thing that I think goes so hand in hand with teaching and training, and it's something that I've really integrated into my approach, is the positive feedback because I think that leads to buy-in. Um, a lot of the time, a big part of my job and the way I like to refer to it is like demystifying SEO. So making it clear that like if we do, you know, A, B, and C, we follow these best practices, this is the desired result. Um, I found that when you can show that desired result back to that writer or editor and they see it, they'll get excited and they'll want to, you know, duplicate that. They'll want to keep doing that in the future. Um, so yeah, just like some of my, you know, like people who have really taken off with these best practices at work, it's been so exciting to see them really, you know, take on these best practices and believe in them. Um, and yeah, just see the see those results that they really want. Um, so I'm all about like the screenshots, you know, showing for us in news SEO, it's all about the top stories carousel. So mm -hmm. anytime that, you know, we get you know, certain things in there that are especially very competitive. I am all about being that cheerleader who's like, look at this screenshot. This is amazing. Look what, look what we did together. Are you, do you guys use like, like Microsoft Teams or Slack and Oh, we're all screen. over Slack. We are all over Slack. I, I have like dreams about Slack. <laughs> yeah, it and never stops. So many too. I mean, it's I love it. I can do so much with it now. Yeah, but, um, yeah. So we do the same thing wherever we can, where we know our, our, our clients or our clients developers and that we we try to avoid sharing those those memes, you know, with the uh, SEO expert versus programmer. Even though there's those moments where yeah. you, know, you, you get that kickback, and internally you'll you'll share that and be like, "All right, cool. We educated them. They they agreed to take care of the task." But you know, it was this huge battle to try to quantify and prove that what we're suggesting, you know, could have a a benefit to you know bottom line. And uh, I think that's one of our challenges is is SEOs in general is is trying to prove that our suggestions um, have merit, you know, and that's that's a bummer. That uh, yeah. that more web developers and um, and content writers don't um, have more of an interest in search that they they would want to have buy-in. They feel like this is this is their bubble, you know. Anything beyond that is technical. If it's a marketer, um, you know, or it's it's um, uh, centric if they're a developer, right? So it's yeah. uh, it's it's a really interesting paradigm, I think. I mean, one other thing that I would bring up with that too, you know, it's ever since I started working in SEO, I picked this up very quickly that a catchphrase in our industry is it depends. And that can be really <laughs> tricky like when you're working with, um, in particular, working in news, like with writers and editors, because like these people are so talented and they love like kind of exact, like I know that I did this, so it's going to lead to this. And just on the topic of what you were saying, where you, you need to prove your worth and I think continuously prove your worth, that's something that I've learned in being in this sort of role is always kind of managing expectations and letting my my teams know, you know, we're always just going to follow the best practices, like throw everything that we can at the wall. But SEO will never be a completely definitive thing because it's just not know. like we that. We don't tell you how they rank pages. They just give you hints and clues. They give you hints. And that's yeah. how I always explain it in my trainings is like, I want you guys to know everything that I know. I, I want us to do everything that we can, but there will always be an element of mystery to it. It. And mm -hmm. that's why I always encourage our teams and, you know, even give myself this pep talk that if an individual story 
doesn't take off, especially in the world of news SEO. It's it's definitely different from traditional kind of um, e-commerce SEO in that way, because I worked in an agency. That was kind of where I got my foundation in SEO. Back then, it was you were dealing with far less content. I mean, we have so much content that goes through in a single day. And so something I, I remind myself and my team about is that if we have a story that doesn't take off, there will always be another one like pushing up right behind it. Right so behind it. Yep. yeah, it's important <laughs> to just like keep those realistic expectations and know that like we will have another shot probably like someone's already saying, where is it? Like I need to get this up. Um, so yeah, it's just important to like manage those expectations and give it everything we got, but you know, keep our heads on straight at the same time. <laughs> yep, exactly. And speak, speaking of, of, you know, when there is a, a story, a news story, you've, um, in the news, you're probably focusing a lot on current trending events, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's going on. Can you, can you share a bit about the role of maybe Google trends and how it, it plays in your world, how it works, how you use it and, yeah. um, maybe about how you go to set up a SEO action plan for each day with that in mind? Yeah, I love this because I am a nerd for Google Trends. Um, I even tell my friends who don't work in SEO or anywhere related to this to use Google Trends um, because what I love about it is how objective it is, that it's giving you that in the moment, this is what people care the most about. Um, yep. So in terms of coming up with a workflow off of it, I mean, first thing every single morning and my work hours always scare people. But yeah, like I basically start at, you know, like 5.15 um, in the morning. And, you know, that may sound really early out here. But when you think about it, we're, you know, competing with a lot of publishers on the East Coast. So Washington Post, New York Times, and other, you know, related publishers, they've already been up and at it. So if we're, you know, logging on at five, we're catching up on some of the trends that are already popping over there. And that's where Google Trends is really invaluable, because it'll start to show me, okay, these are the things that are already percolating. That's where I'll start to check from like the night before, okay, did we post on any of these things? Are we behind? Um, Is there anything that we can jump on right now. I'll also start to look into, you know, like our wire services um, because we work with like AP news. And so if there is a quicker wire, um, you know, piece of content that we can get up to jump on a trend, we'll do that um, because it will take more time, obviously that early to get, um, you know, one of our own writers to do something. Um, So it's a matter of kind of filtering through those things, finding wire where it's appropriate to jump on some trends and then really laying out a workflow Um, because I'll give you a good example. The Olympics, have been a huge theme for us. Yeah, they've just taken over then the whole news cycle. Um, and so every single day when you're in a specific event cycle like that, Google Trends is also really helpful because in that top stories section of Google Trends, those Olympics themes will shine through. Um, so in particular, a big one that I've taken in the last you know few days has obviously been Simone Biles. She's been a major topic of interest. So every single day, I'm always trying to dig in there and see, okay, how can we better cover this particular theme? What are breakout angles. So that's kind of going beyond just like the simple news, but trying to find these like explainer angles and different, you know, specific queries that people might be searching for. Um, One that I came up with today that came directly from Google Trends um, was, you know, what are twisties? Uh, Simone Biles referred to that as, you know, something that was something that impacted her when she was in that vault. So now, you know, we're pursuing an explainer. Um, on that to, you know, like hopefully debunk that for our readers. Um, So Google Trends, both in that like real-time queries feed where it's basically just giving you the stories, um, but also on an event like the Olympics, just doing an individual search, like using the search bar and then looking at the rising queries. 
that's extremely helpful for a workflow because I can take those things and I can go to our sports team and I can pitch, you know, these ideas and then we can get kind of our juices flowing um, and start to roll out a sort of, you know, just lineup of things that we want to pursue for the day. Um, and I check Google Trends all day. Um, that never really ends. I mean, I do that very first thing in the morning to, you know, we have like a 7.30 call um, with all of our lead editors where we kind of create that workflow for everyone for the day and set priorities. So it really plays into coming up with the roadmap for that. But I'm checking it all day, um, you know, just throughout the day because I want to see, okay, how is how are the Olympics evolving now? What are other breakout topics? Um, something that I love about it is it, it can change in like five minutes. So you really want to look in there. It's, and Yeah, you know, pretty real time. And then you you share that with uh, the different writers or what? what's that I process? Do. Yeah, I, I have, you know, I, I love working across all of our, you know, departments, like I mentioned earlier. So, you know, I'm definitely in a, just going back to Slack, uh, Slack is our preferred method, but it's always just like ping ponging ideas, um, either, you know, directly and like we have department channels that we use or just on a one-on-one -on -one basis in Slack. Um, but I'm in constant contact with so many people I couldn't even name um, across all of our sections just to, you know, ensure that they know. And the way I always, you know, try to look at it is that it's never like demanding something. I mostly just want to flag things and make people aware. And then we can kind of collaborate and figure out like in terms of bandwidth with and you know the like kind of other priorities that might be in the mix is this a possibility is it not um but my objective is just to always make people aware so that they know yeah but i love i love google trends um it's been so beneficial in like all of the different news seo um you know jobs that i've had because of that real-time aspect um it's just yeah, invaluable. what's, what's happening yeah it's what's happening right now it's yeah it's amazing. You're, you're really at the at the core of I mean, wanna... what people are searching at this moment, which is it's amazing. if you're in news and you're yeah. not using Google Trends, you're doing something wrong. Totally. I mean, there, and you know, I, I love a lot of other keyword tools because like in particular, when I was at my agency, I remember, you know, working with SEMrush and just like a lot of other tools and those can be really helpful for like evergreen keyword research. But I've just found that like when you're in the moment and you're in like a breaking news scenario, something that just happened an hour ago, mm -hmm. Google trends is just incredibly helpful because it's going to give you that real time information. Um, and one other thing that I would mention that's really cool about Google trends is when they create create the, um, the modules that are on the homepage. So they, they have one up right now for the Olympics, which is pretty cool, but they'll do that for a wide variety of events. So that'll be like anything from the Super Bowl to all of the award shows um, and everything in between. Um, and, you know, if you look in those, Google gets really nerdy. So for anybody who wants to get really nerdy, <laughs> it'll break down like specific queries that people are, you know, searching for. I love that it really gets into questions because questions are very search friendly. So it'll Oh, yeah. kind of break down Great like funnel content for sure yeah so that's always really helpful too i'm always checking that i love that yeah the google trends seems amazing i love um, it you know, <laughs> we, um, we recently covered newsjacking on a, a, a podcast and uh, for our listeners newsjacking basically means aligning a, a brand with a current event and looking you know to to generate media attention and boost within the brand's reach what's your take on newsjacking for businesses is it a good idea? Are there better ways to do it? Yeah. So, you know, just in thinking about that term, I, the term kind of makes me giggle, but I, I do see where that's coming from. And I think if 
I wasn't working at like a traditional sort of news site because obviously we just have like endless opportunities that come up working in yeah. news. Um, what I think of when I hear news jacking is more of like the seasonal opportunities and how you could tap into those. <laughs> so if I was at more of like a traditional e-commerce site, that's where I think of like the recurring themes that are going to come around that you should be aware of. So, I mean, I was actually just working on an article earlier today where, where it was around like summer vacations, but if it was around this time of year, you know, that is a part of the news cycle right now is like everything related to summer. Um, and if you want to take that one step further and make it even more newsy where it's not just kind of evergreen and it's the summer, how about heat wave? Um, how about if you have a product that could somehow help with, you know, the heat wave in some way, um, connecting that, that is a major news theme right now. You might not necessarily be in news company that's reporting on it, but there's some way that you could create a piece of content that people need because people desperately want to find ways to cope with this heat across the U.S. right now. We have a client named Quiet Cool, and they manufacture a whole house fan. Love it. Uh, take yeah. your electricity down, you open some windows, and it just sucks all the hot air right out. Um, but uh, yeah, so they, they'd be perfect for something like that. So if you're a business and you want to take advantage of, uh, of that angle, um, is that when you would you would enlist a PR person who jumps into decision and does some outreach, or do you just post a, a post up on your website in an RSS feed and you know kind of socialize it through your normal social channels? What do you think might be a best practice for a, a business that wants to take advantage of that? Yeah, so I think it would it would involve a few different things because I would be curious if that business is in Google News at all because I mean that could play into it with how much like play that they would. Necessarily they probably wouldn't have been when it was AMP required, but now yeah. that it's not, they yeah, might exactly, have a exactly. Because I mean that's going to benefit them is is if they're in Google News because that will give them a little bit more sway with a topic like that. Um, right. So I would say that that's one element of it. But apart from that, yeah, I absolutely agree with like the social media approach just creating that piece of content that's very relevant and then blasting it out on social media, just making sure that it gets that extra promotion. I like the idea of adding in the PR person who could, you know, amp it up even further. Um, but I would say like, you know, just I can think of so many different examples like the heat wave, just different, you know, news cycles that kind of cycle through. Um, but tapping into those more like evergreen themes. Um, another thing that I could think of too would be like if we're in a city like Los Angeles, um, where there are so many different kinds of like eateries and restaurants, there's a lot of different evergreen opportunities there too. So really look at the location that you're at and think of like, what do people care about here? Um, another thing that came up recently at work was like, you know, local beaches. I mean, we're in the summer. So if you have something that could relate to the beach and it's summer, then that's, I mean, that is essentially news shocking because, you know, there's been buzz around that, um, you know, enhanced buzz this entire summer. Um, so I think it's always just a matter of like staying on top of Google Trends and seeing in there any sort of like evergreen themes, extract those and then think, how can I relate that theme to my business or my product that I have? So it wouldn't be as much of a direct transfer as it is in news, where it's just like, I'm going to report on it, but try to connect that to the product and make that useful to the reader. Um, and, especially and if there's an issue to solve. Yeah. I was going to say, what's what's amazing for businesses in doing this news thing is you don't have to wait six months for your page to show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that news post, you're right there in the carousel at the top and you're you're going to be seen right away. And and yeah. of course, there's Discover and all sorts of other ways that Google might uh, might share that content. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like, you know, Google Trends, it can be a huge help with that. Um, just make sure that you're monitoring it regularly. In particular, those modules will probably be helpful because if you look at those and you see those very user-friendly questions, if you have a product that can essentially answer that question and provide a solution, that's going to be golden. Uh, yeah. So it. just say to you know, monitor that closely. Speaking of ranking quickly in the news, <laughs> that's like your, your job is to make sure that our pages rank as fast as possible. When you're editing and you're optimizing these these articles handed over by the writers, you're honing in on specific SEO focal points, you know, like um, headlines, yeah. H1s, uh, titles, meta descriptions, URLs, internal yeah. linking. Um, what might be kind of a high level best, uh, you know, process for any business to use to quickly get rankings in Google, uh, you know, specifically in the news section? Yeah. So, I mean, by and large, whether you're looking at like, you know, high level, you don't have to give away secret sauce. Yeah, yeah, no, no, totally, totally. No, I, I feel, I feel very comfortable sharing this because I think like anyone awesome. should know this if they want to tap into news. But what I found working at the variety of places I've been at um, is that, you know, Google and Google News and just within traditional Google search um, for, you know, news related things is really pushing just that keyword driven headline. I mean, that's what they want to see. And really, when I look at my day to day work, so much of it, and I, I love it because I've been an English nerd my entire life. But a lot of it is wordplay. It's okay, I know that I have this story, I usually make like a list of okay, these are the must have keywords. And then it's just a matter of like shifting them around into the most, you know, kind of cohesive sentence or headline. Um, and that's really the biggest, like I, I would just say above everything else is making sure that you're not missing an important keyword, that it's very short and concise, because that's another thing that Google is really looking for. Um, ideally, 60 characters or under if you want to prevent that headline um, from getting cut off in Google search results. Truncated. Yeah. yeah. So you want to be careful about that. And that's something that I'm pushing all the time. Um, is that we want to be short and concise and keyword targeted. That is, you know, sometimes very difficult because we deal with some themes that aren't as like quick and simple. They'll be more nuanced, but that's part of the challenge um, is trying to really extract those keywords, entities, queries um, that people would type into Google. Because another piece of advice that I give in all of my trainings <clears throat> is that, you know, you just, you want to simplify the process as much as possible and, and not go beyond that. Um, because another thing, when I'm coming up with these headlines, you can always eliminate conversational words, you know, things like, here are the that's really nice. It's like, it's very, you know, conversational, but would someone type that into Google? No. So most of the time, if I need to cut something, something like that, um, an adjective, if I need to cut something, even though I love adjectives and I can definitely, you know, my own kind of personal writing style, I'm all about that. Um, but when it comes to that short character count, if you're really getting down to it, that's something that could be cut. So I'm always bringing myself back to what are the specific things that someone would type into Google. I think that's what we all do as SEOs, right? Is to just take it back to that and not overcomplicate it. And that's all the more important in news because it's so highly competitive to get in that top stories carousel. Um, something else that I would point out that kind of makes news different from, you know, just other sorts of like SEO, SEO um, you know, strategies is that, I mean, it's really top stories or bust because um, most people are going to look in there when they're searching for something. And yeah, you might, you know, fall underneath that and be on the first page, but really the best real estate is in that top stories carousel. And what I found, you know, just overall tracking the trends in, in these different jobs that I've had is that if you really push that keyword driven strategy in your headline, that 
comes first. Um, but after that, you know, something else that I would say is like, make sure, you know, you're really utilizing internal linking um, because, and, and, you know, obviously the other sections are important too, like meta descriptions and URLs and things like if that. If it's a big article, you get that link from the homepage right away, right? That's true. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I, the only reason I bring up internal linking um, in particular is that just as a case study with the LA Times, you know, we cover a lot of recurring themes where we want to be an authority on that. So that might be like LA homelessness, or that might be Garcetti or Newsom, these themes that we're continuously funneling into, right, within our content. So we really want to make sure that in these articles, when we're feeding into that further, that we're making it clear to Google, this is not our first rodeo. We have been covering this very consistently. Look at this narrative that we're mapping for you that proves I know, that- I noticed that, yeah, related articles in the, uh, within yeah. the context. So that's always really important. Um, and I think that that could play into, you know, any business, really. I mean, if you've, if you've you know, created content around something, um, you, you want to make that clear that, like, you know, within your within your content here, these are the other times that we've covered this. We know what we're talking about. We're an authority that you can trust. Um, I think that would play in the same way, no matter what your business is. So always make sure that you're aware of that related content and actively promoting that, too. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I would say within the URL and in the meta description and also alt text and things like that, other elements, just driving home, you know, kind of that bigger keyword theme of, you know, just not not missing any of those sorts of entities that people would be searching for. So I would say by and large, that's the thing that's filtering through my head on a daily basis is how can we push those central keywords? <laughs> despite Google saying it's not, is the meta description a ranking signal? So this, oh man, this question. <laughs> uh, meta descriptions are all over the place, you know, just to be um, to be transparent about it. Like I've noticed just in tracking that more closely um, that, you know, at least for us, um, Google can be kind of hit or miss with pulling in our meta description correctly from mm -hmm. our CMS. So that... Yeah. So it, instead of taking the one that we've, you know, created and we curated, Google will just pull in something random from the content anyways, um, which doesn't give me the best like vibe towards that. You know, I mean, I still do like to believe that it contributes some value. I, I get the sense that it's been kind of diminishing in value, but I like to believe that it's still something that is noticed because for us, I would say it's almost like half and half that Google will pull it incorrectly sometimes and then not do it other times. One of those mysteries of Google. So I would say I'm kind of undecided, but I still believe that there is some value there. Um, but Google has been very wonky. That's something that I've been tracking pretty closely. And I do get those questions from our writers and editors because they'll say like, I wrote this, you know, fabulous Bennett description. It's not popping up on the Google search results page. Um, and my response usually is just like, that's Google being funky, you know, um, and there's there's not really a solution for it at this point. Um, but I how, how robot will help determine whether or not the description is descriptive enough of the content, right? That's so funny. It's like, yeah, really, robot? Yeah. You, you, and, and I get it. Sales pages are written to have really salesy descriptions. And then you don't see any of that language on the page itself. Or worse, you... You decide to take the first few sentences from the first paragraph and use that as your meta description and you wonder why they're choosing a snippet. Totally. So yeah. I mean, Google's Google's weird in that way. Um, it definitely is. And that's one of those mysteries that I also track um, where I just want to know, like, huh, I wonder what's going on there. So we'll see. Maybe in a year it'll be different. Maybe it'll completely drop off in a year. Um, but until it's completely gone, I feel like it, it plays some role in it. Yep. Um, so I always tell our, you know, our, our writers and editors to, you know, fill out that element and make sure that it's in there. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm looking through our questions. We've actually answered them in some of the conversations we've had already. I only have 
Awesome. Uh, really two more for you, really quick ones. Sure. Uh, first one is, what steps do you take to maximize social media shareability of the content your team puts out in the world? Do you incorporate a hashtag and similar research as part of your overall SEO research? Yeah. So what's cool about my work at the LA Times is that I'm on our audience team. So, you know, I, I work very closely with our audience editors, um, and those could also you know, just be known as like our social media editors. And we have, you know, embedded editors who are with each of our sections. So that, that would be with sections like our Metro section and our entertainment section. But we also have, you know, what, what we would call kind of like core um, social media editors who are in charge of like our main social accounts. So that's like our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. Um, so it really helps me a lot in my role to stay very focused on SEO and the content and all of these elements that we were just discussing um, because I have them and they're just, they're incredible um, colleagues to have who can, whenever I like finish an SEO edit on a story, I can flip it over to them and then they're going to take, you know, that same story and make sure that it has the right social headline um, because a big thing that I push in all of our trainings is that, you know, yes, with SEO headlines, we have to be very short, concise. We have that character count. Word rich. Limit. Yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. But on social, we can have a very different vibe. Uh, we have a little bit more wiggle room character count wise. That's yep. where I like to say that we can, you know, get a little bit more like emotional. We can be more teasy there. Because um, another thing within my world of, of news SEO is that you basically want to give it all away. That's what you want to do because that's what people are searching for. Um, but if I ever have a writer or an editor who's like, oh, but I don't want to give it all away. I'll tell them like, we can do that on social. Like we can create something teasy on social. We can have a different approach there. So a big part of my work, and that's why I love working with the other members of my audience team, is collaborating on you know these different stories and making sure that they can have these different shades within them. So on search, we're being extremely targeted. We're hitting all the right entities, but maybe we're going to take a more- Feel more you know, playful on, yeah. uh, on social. Much yeah, more playful, it. much more teasy, you know? So that's one of my favorite parts of my job is just getting to collaborate with our other audience editors um, and everyone in my department to, you know, kind of tap into, because, you know, I hate it. Sometimes like news SEO, I feel like with the headlines I can, I can create, it can come off as like more boring because it has to be so keyword driven. Um, I'm always trying to find ways around that if I can, but it can come off that way. So I feel like the social side of things is always a nice like place to, you know, kind of put that energy it's like, oh, no, but it's not completely gone. We can go put it over there. Um, it. So, so there's, there's definitely them. a collaboration point there. Then you you finish the piece and then you you pass the baton over and, and yeah. then they'll they'll do some of the hashtag research or you provide the hashtags for them. So another thing that's interesting is that I would say there's um, a good amount of crossover between, okay. you know, a big part of my job, especially if it's on like a breaking news sort of scenario, um, is finding what is that top keyword. So say if it had been like a shooting or something like that, making sure that, you know, this is the top way that people are searching for this. It's really important to use Google Trends. That's where I really, really rely on Google Trends to see, okay, this is the top way people are referring to it. And that's where there can be like direct crossover between social and SEO, because oftentimes the way that people are searching for it is something that they would want to transfer into their social media posts and make sure that they're targeting it in the same way. That user behavior can kind of mesh like quite often. Um, so that's definitely one way that we collaborate on that front is Super that like- too. Just keep yeah. it simple and, and one carries over to the other. I love it. 
and using Slack, just to go back to Slack. So that's where it's really important to be in the different channels and be forwarding that keyword information around because there will be that crossover. Um, so just in trying to be as effective as possible, like I feel like there's a good amount of, you know, just crossover between our, our two different objectives that we have in that way. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that way my SEO research really does play into that because there will oftentimes be that common ground there. All right. Last question. Then we got a quick lightning round. Yeah. We'd love to hear a little bit more about your mantra mentioned in an article we sure. found. Interrupt anxiety with gratitude. Can you explain what you mean by that and how you put that into practice? Sure, sure. So, I mean, you've probably picked up on it just in hearing about everything that news SEO is today, but it can be a highly stressful environment, you know, um, working in news. You know, I, I have a huge passion for this. I've, you know, loved news for as long as I can remember. It goes back for me to like sneaking people magazine into my mom's shopping cart when I was like three. Um, I've loved this my entire life. And I think that that genuine passion really helps people in this industry. If you have that, then it's easier to get through, you know, some of the highs and lows of it. Um, but I first came up with that. A friend told me that, and it just really spoke to me because there is a lot of, you know, room for anxiety within this industry, just with like, you think? The, I can't even imagine. I don't know how you do it. You're, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there is just like, a, you know, there's always going to be a lack of stability in certain ways because media is constantly shifting. I think we're also dealing with you know, still the transition from like print media over to digital media and kind of this like in between that we're in. I mean, especially it can speak on that working at kind of like a legacy newspaper institution. There's always going to be growing pains with that. Um, but that's just one of the things that can definitely like feed into some anxiety. Um, and, you know, we I actually love this that, you know, we talk about mental health, like a good amount at work, just making sure that it's a priority um, that we're putting at, you know, kind of the, the top of our minds, um, that it's something you now. really you need to actively think about it and, you know, know that you're not, you know, wrong or flawed to, you know, feel certain issues like kind of, you know, coming into your life. Um, and so the interrupting, you know, anxiety with gratitude, I love that mantra because what it does is for me, at least when I'm having like an anxious moment, because those will inevitably come up, it forces me to stop, pause, breathe, and just kind of take myself out of the individual situation and think about the bigger picture. So usually what I'll do is, you know, I'll do that, I'll stop and I'll breathe and just try to separate from it. And then it really helps to, you know, put plug in something that you can be grateful for that day. Um, this in particular really, really helped in the madness that was 2020 because there were so many different things to be stressed out about or anxious about between like COVID. I mean, I'm a hypochondriac, so it was a crazy year. Um, and then the election and just everything else that happened. And I found that this really simple practice of just like stop, breathe, and then insert something else that can create positive energy as opposed to that anxious energy. It was just super effective. Um, and it's something I use right. on a very regular basis because I feel like that power of positive thought. Um, I mean, obviously, like those anxious thoughts will creep back in. But I find that whenever they do, using that sort of like, you know, role reversal, it's like, I'm not going to think about the Mindset. anxiety. Yeah, it. it's a mind trick. Yeah. It's a mind trick. But it really and there's always something to be grateful for. It's totally cheesy. Um, but I found that like, even, you know, when we were at the absolute peak of the COVID pandemic, um, you know, it just made me all the more grateful for my family and for, you know, my health. And it, it really put life into perspective. So I'm always so, so when I'm, I'm anxious later today, I will be grateful that I have an amazing friend that works for the LA Times. Oh, 
thank you. Yes, I'm so grateful cool. for you, Steve. <laughs> I know you got to go. I got to be conscious of your time, but really quick lightning sure. round. Uh, what is what are your favorite SEO tools? Oh, I mean, you, you've really covered my favorite Google that Trends. I use all the time. I mean, I love <laughs> Google Trends. I love S, um, SEMrush. I love SEMrush. I use SEMrush. Excuse me. I love it. <laughs> I Sorry, it's too. always that classic thing. I, I've had to I always call it SEMrush. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I love SEMrush. Um, in terms of other resources, I really like Moz. And every, like they helped me a lot um, just in the early <laughs> stage of my career, just in getting kind of fundamentals down. Same so here. I love that. Um, I love industry blogs, you know, like search engine land and, you know, staying on top of those things. I think that's really important in our industry. Um, but I mean, there's so many other tools out there. Um, we have like other things that I've considered, you know, kind of implementing at the LA Times. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say that those are kind of my core ones. I mean, Google Trends really fuels a lot of what I do. So if I had to use like pick one that I use on a very, very regular basis, that would be it. That's the one. Who who should we be following in SEO if we want to, aside from you, of course, but um, who else in the, the news side of SEO, who should we be following if we want to kind of piggyback off of what other experts are sharing and what they're doing? Sure. I'll name three um, that I really like just with the different things that they share in their experience. Okay. Um, Lily Ray in our industry, I just yep. saw her at our conference and I thought she was introducing some really interesting things about eat and how that can relate to news. So I really love her. Expertise, um, Dawn, authority, trust. Yeah. 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 So I, I really love what she's doing and I'm definitely a big fan there. Um, John Shahada is another one that I really like. Um, he and I have been like kind of in close contact. He created a very very cool tool. Um, and, you know, he's been really evolving a lot of interesting ideas around how we can better track Google News and, you know, just kind of the mysterious science behind um, news SEO and what we do. So I would definitely recommend John Shahada. He's another one. And then one other, um, you know, just kind of news SEO person who shifted into product, but I think she still has some really interesting things to say would be Upasna Gautam. Um, she's amazing um, and she's always very active on social media and shares just a lot of great resources. She is at CNN now, um, but she was previously working in news um, SEO. And so I would definitely recommend um, Upasna um, Gatam as well. Sweet. So people want to follow you. What is your social media handle? Sure. So mine is just Louisa Fromm um, on Twitter, and then it's uh, M-I-Z Louisa 720 on Instagram. But I would, yeah, I'd love to stay in touch and just Louisa we'll Fromm to, on LinkedIn. We'll have to talk about the 720 later and figure out where that stems from. <laughs> it stems from my birthday. My birthday uh, just passed. It's July 20th. That's right. <laughs> yep. 31. That's amazing. Yeah. look a day yes. over 21. Well, Louisa, this has been amazing. Um, again, I want to be conscious of your time and, and, and thank you for giving so much great advice and had a lot of fun talking about news SEO. I think after this big rollout uh, page update finishes, maybe we can do another short one just to kind of discuss what we felt the, the changes were once the dust settles. That might be some fun thing uh, to do. And um, if, if you guys are doing or listening, you're doing any sort of news SEO, please follow Louisa on, on social. You'll learn so much and she's so... Uh, willing to share and, and give totally. and um, give you one other person to be grateful for. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much, Louisa. And, and thank you guys for, uh, for listening again. And we'll see you all in the next episode. Sounds good. Thank you, Steve. Have a good day.